Welcome, everybody. This is part three of our Picture Perfect series. My name is Matt Keller. I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level Church, and this is my wife, Sarah. Hey, everybody. It is so great to be with you this weekend. I think that I, um, along with some of the other ladies who um, our wonderful husbands have talked into team teaching with them, are still wondering, how in the world did you get us up here? Um, But I think maybe it's uh, this idea of the uh, not-so-perfect family. Family. And so, so we're here really just to kind of let you know just how imperfect they are. Um, it's going to be a really fun wow. time together. No, well, um, let's close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really are excited about this series. Kyle and Jennifer spoke together last weekend and just did an amazing job. We are so proud of them. It was just awesome. And so we are so excited as this series unfolds, just be talking about our families and relationships and how they don't have to be perfect on the outside side, it can look like that. I know probably you're looking at us and thinking, but you guys are perfect, but we're not. Like, we are so not perfect. We're going to talk to you this weekend about this idea of fighting, Yeah, actually. Uh, we figured <laughs> that we would tackle a topic that every single one of us who are a part of a family unit of any kind uh, deal with, and that is this universal subject of Fighting, and of course, we've been married 16 years. Uh, we're together five and a half years before that. So when it comes to this whole deal of fighting in marriage and fighting in family, we've been doing this for over two decades. Oh yeah, I mean, we've, we've had. A, I know you guys probably like imagine our family as just like this serene place all the time, like with our Bibles open and like you know, and that no way, Pastor Matt and Sarah, they would never fight. But oh, we can fight. Well, like our <laughs> like our first year of marriage, like there's nothing like a newlywed fight. Come on. Oh. Somebody, nothing like, like we probably fought more in the first year of our marriage than like everyone in your row has fought in their whole life <laughs> probably combined. True. Like That's for real, and then, and then of course there's first baby fights and you know, it's the happy couple and we were fine. And then it's like, you throw a baby in that thing and it's like, what is going on? And he's on? like, Hey, I'm over here. Will um, you pay attention I have to me? <laughs> you know, those fights not were all fun. About the babies Let's anymore. not go there. We could um, fight about that right now. We could, now. you know, then there's like the new church fights. <laughs> right. So when we, when we planted our church here 11 years ago and, um, and we were like side by side doing this thing, but I've got my opinions. He's got his, we had some good fights. So we have learned to fight over the years. But honestly, uh, we want to not just talk to you about this idea of fighting, but really the idea of healthy conflict. How do we have healthy conflict in our homes to really actually end up at this place of having peace and unity in our homes? And so for most of us, we think of the idea of peace as being quiet, maybe like gentle as a lamb, like rolling over in pastures, and that's what peaceful is, and that's what, that's what peace is. But honestly, we want to talk to you about the idea today that those who are willing to have peace are actually willing to fight to keep the peace. About a month ago, the world looked on as the Pope was being installed in Rome, and it was just such a humongous occasion, tens of thousands of people. People gathered to watch the installation. And as I watched it unfold on the television, I thought something was quite interesting. And every single uh, shot that they would show of the crowd, somewhere in that shot on the television were 
police officers. They were armed guards with guns, and they were there being real serious while everyone else was just enjoying this peaceful occasion. And I just thought, well, that is so interesting. Why, why, are, those, why are there so many armed guards there? It's such a wonderful occasion. But I think we all know why they're there. They're there just to keep the peace. Well, that's true. And it's true in our daily lives as well. Think about it. Like, remember, think about the last time you went to a theme park or think about the last time that, you know, you went to a, a large sporting event in an arena or in a stadium or maybe a concert. That it's interesting because we all have the, the same goal when we go to someplace like that. And that is to experience something amazing. We want to experience something great. We want to experience something uh, amazing. And yet every so often you'll see someone, you know, with like a big security shirt on. Or you'll see like a, like a uniformed officer or even an armed guard. You know, you see people who are clearly packing heat. Well, why is that? Well, it's because they understand something, that in order for all of us to experience something amazing, which is the goal, there must be those present who are willing to fight to keep the peace if the circumstances necessitate it. And the same thing is true when it comes to our families, when it comes to our marriages. Every single one of us want to experience something amazing, and yet that means that we're going to have to be willing to fight for it on occasion when the circumstances necessitate it. And that's why we're talking about this this weekend. So take a look at this verse. Ephesians 4.3 says this. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through what? Through the bond of peace. Hmm. You see, the scriptures tell us that it is on us to make the effort to have peace. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my home, peace doesn't just come naturally. <laughs> Chaos can come a lot more naturally. And so the, the effort is on us to keep the peace. And I know that nothing can disrupt uh, the unity in our homes like a lack of peace. <laughs> and yeah. so if we want peace, we've got to make the That's effort. That's it. We've got to make every effort. Peace requires action. So the question for us then is, how do we do that? Okay, great, Matt and Sarah, we're with you. What does that look like? Well, when you came in uh, this weekend to all of our services, you were handed a bulletin. I would love for you to take that out, open it up, and on the inside left flap, you'll find some, some message notes. We would love for you to track with our train of thought while we talk about, for the next few minutes, four realities, if you will, four realities of healthy conflict. Okay, great. We're talking about this idea of healthy conflict. Let's talk about four realities of healthy conflict. And here's the first one. Number one, healthy conflict is essential to a healthy home. Healthy conflict is essential to a healthy home. Yeah, conflict is not the absence of unity. It's actually the opportunity for unity. See, a lot of times we look on and we think, oh, if there's conflict, that's bad. But we believe that conflict is actually the opportunity for unity at the end. I mean, think about it. We've all been around the engaged couple uh, who is not married yet and is like super in love and like all lovey-dovey, right? And the girl's like, oh my gosh, he's just like the most perfect man and he doesn't do anything wrong. And then, you know, and then he's like, and she is so angelic. Like, I think she wakes up looking like that, you know? And so you get around him and you're hanging out and, and they'll, they'll tell you something like this and they're really proud of it. They'll say, we get along so well, we never fight. <laughs> and you're like, well, just wait till you're married, like one day. Yeah, um, right? <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's and so coming. here's the deal. You know, I, we believe that unity is not the same as uniformity. 
And so we maybe, we maybe don't explode when something happens. We actually retract, and we have all these feelings, and we don't know what to do with them, and so we just stuff them down, deep down inside. Some of us are stuffers who build a barrier. And so someone hurts us or offends us, and instead of actually dealing with that conflict, we just stuff it, but then we build up this wall that says, don't worry, I'll never let you in here again. And then there are others of us who might be stuffers who, who, who collect retaliation rocks. You know what I'm talking about. And so, so a conflict happens and, and situations arise and we don't really deal with it. We don't really tell them how we really feel, but we take that rock and we put it in our pocket. And don't worry, in a couple of years, if something like this happens again, I will pull that rock out and I will throw it at you and let you know that two years ago, I actually wasn't okay when this happened, right? So we can have that tendency to be a stuffer that actually doesn't deal with our feelings. And I'll be honest, this was me. A lot of this was just for my upbringing. I just, I just thought, okay, if I just say, I'm fine, everything's fine, then it will be fine. But it's not. You have to deal with those feelings. And so over the years, I've had to learn how to not do that. Matt, Matt will, will come to me. He'll say, are you okay? And I'll go, yeah, I'm fine. And actually now he knows that means you're not fine. I need to press in. We need to talk about this, right? So we can all just have some tendencies of getting this wrong. See, healthy conflict is essential to a healthy home and unhealthy responses like we've been talking about work against that health thing that we want for our home. Number three, if you want to write this down, a healthy approach to conflict sets our home up for success. A healthy approach to conflict sets our home up for success. Okay, great, Matt and Sarah, we're tracking with you, we get it, but how do we do that? What, okay, great, but what should our response be? Well, we want to give you a couple of big ideas, if you will, a couple of big principles around this idea of what it means to have healthy conflict in our homes. And the first one is this, number one, write this down, it's really big, this is a big idea, overlook minor offenses. When it comes to this stuff, we have to overlook minor offenses. In the book of 1 Peter, it was actually a letter that the apostle Peter, one of Jesus' inner circle, was writing to a, a local church much like ours a couple thousand years ago, a community of believers like this, and he's writing to them about life lessons, life principles. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, look at this life principle that Peter lays out for this church much like ours. He says this, Love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love fills in the gaps with trust. Love believes the best. Love doesn't expose other people's faults. Love covers other people's weaknesses. Okay, uh, listen, here's the deal. When it comes to our family life, every single day, multiple times a day, all of us are going to have occasions to be offended. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. When it comes to our family unit, every single one of us are going to have those occasions on a regular basis, every single day, to be offended. Maybe, maybe, you know, you're stressed out from work and so you get home and your spouse says something and you're just like, 
you know, like, I don't know, like whatever that is, right? Maybe you're not sleeping well, or maybe you're having trouble with the kids and something's going on, or maybe it's just an upbringing thing. And in her family growing up, leaving your shoes and your underwear on the steps wasn't a big deal, but in your family, it is a big deal. And so what, I don't know, whatever that is, listen, every single day, every single one of us are going to have occasions to be offended. But here's what I believe. I believe that God uses the family unit, the relationships within the family structure of our home, God will use that to develop spiritual discipline in our life. And specifically, God will use minor offenses in our home situation to develop the spiritual discipline of patience in our life. And it's up to us in those moments, a dozen times a day sometimes, to see something that's just a minor offense And rather than letting it get under our skin, instead, choosing to overlook it. Love covers a multitude of sin. A while ago, it was a school morning, and I woke up and rolled over and realized Matt was gone, and that means that uh, he's, he's at the gym. And so I was like, go Matt, all right. So he, he's at the gym, and it was a quiet morning, and I went upstairs and, and woke up the kids, and for whatever reason, I was really tired. I don't know if I hadn't slept well, um, and I woke up the boys, and they were both really tired, and so I thought, all right. We're all tired. That's okay. We'll just kind of have a chill morning, right? So we go downstairs, and I, uh, I just keep the lights kind of low. We've got breakfast going and, and making the kids' lunches. And boys are sitting beside each other on the breakfast bar, and they're, like, chilling out, like, beside each other, not fighting at all. Like, it was a miraculous, beautiful morning. And so, and so we're sitting. We're just, you know, in the kitchen. The boys are sitting there, and all of a sudden, Like the front door just like swings wide open, the door slams, there's like this radio blaring, and I am like, what is going on? Okay, okay, here's what's going on. Okay. (laughs) I got up early, went to the gym, trying to discipline my body, trying to take care of the temple of God, like the Bible (laughs) says. And it was it was actually the morning when uh, our, when Pastor Gabe and Morgan Kirk, uh, two of our staff members, were being interviewed on Way FM about feeding Fort Myers. And so I had pulled up the radio on my phone and I was listening to it. And they had done the first two segments and, you know, interviewed and feeding Fort Myers and the whole deal, right? So I got done on the treadmill and was like, good, I can make it home by the third segment. My, you know, the, the wife and kids get to hear it. So I came in and I'm like all excited, feeding Fort Myers. This is amazing. And I don't know any of that. All I think is rude. And Which was kind of the face yeah. you made actually that morning. That was Yeah, actually... I didn't say it, but maybe my eyes said it. I yeah, don't know. They did. They did. <laughs> so yeah, he it. rounds the corner and I literally just looked at him and went, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he just looked at me and he was like, fine. And just walks away. Well, yeah, because I'm like, you know what? Fine. It, fine. So I went in the bedroom and I'm listening to the interview, you know, on the radio. And I'm like, you know what? Fine. If you guys don't care about hungry, you know, people in our community, <laughs> that's fine. Like, no, it's fine. It, that's fine. You know, I thought this was, if you don't care about what the Lord's doing at Next Level Church, then <laughs> that's fine. So, anyway, so I went in the bedroom all just offended and upset. And I did the super not spiritual thing. And I looked at my boys and I was like, Mr. Sensitivity. And, uh, and then like the Lord kind of convicted me and I didn't do anything about it. I just kind of ignored it. And so I just kept going on and I was like, oh, and so I, I took the kids to school and the whole time I am like, why did you let that get to you? What is going on? And you know, all of a sudden after I dropped off the kids, I realized 
that was silly. Like, this was just such a minor thing. We just, like, flew over each other. He wasn't being rude. He was just excited. And, and so I, I give him a call, and I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry about that. I don't know what happened. He's like, I don't know either. And see, here's the deal. Like, I, we could have let something like that ruin our day, right. and we have. You know, we've gotten this thing wrong where something pretty minor just ends up getting in our spirit and can actually ruin a whole day. And so in those moments, we just have to recognize when it's just a minor thing. Yeah. I mean, again, we work together every day. We spend a lot of time together and something like that, something small, something minor, something ultimately insignificant could have set our entire day up for failure. But we had to shortchange that. We had to, to interrupt that process and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just overlook this. Let's, come on, let's don't do this. Let's, let's just let's make a different choice. And here's what I think. I think it's possible some of us have come into one of our services this weekend, and that's you. And you feel like, you know what? I, I've let some minor offenses get under my skin, and I've turned something minor into something major. And the Lord would just say to you this weekend, stop, stop overlook those minor offenses. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. But here's the deal. Some of us can actually stop there, right? So we stop there and we go, okay, good. Actually, I can do that. I I cannot bring things up. I, I think, I think I can handle that, but actually you're not okay in your spirit. You know, you're not okay. And so things aren't okay, but you think, well, I'll do the Christian thing. And I just won't bring it up. Not bringing things up will appear as peace. But here's what, here's what I would contend to you today. If you're not okay in, in and of yourself and you know you're not okay in your spirit and you walk around acting like you're okay, that's not peace. That's just being fake. So if that's you and you're walking around trying to act like everything's okay, but on the inside, you know it's not okay, then I would challenge you this weekend. We've got to dig into that. If things aren't okay, we can't act like they're okay. So you might be thinking, well, then what do I do about it? If I know, how do I even know when I'm supposed to overlook it or when we're supposed to deal with it? Well, that's what we want to talk to you about next. Well, yeah, because uh, again, we, we're supposed to overlook minor offenses. Okay, but great. But when is that? Well, here's a, a couple of thoughts. One, I, I think when we start to see a pattern forming with someone that we love, with their behavior, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a, a coworker. What, this works in all relationships. We're talking about marriage, but this works in all relationships. When we start to see a pattern of behavior that, it, listen, anyone can have a bad day. Great, fine. We understand that. Overlook that. But when we start to see something that's a pattern, that's a big deal. When, when someone's behavior is hurting other people, in other words, uh, okay, now it's bringing harm to the children. The kids are scared. Okay, we got to get involved there. We can't just overlook that. We have to move into that healthy conflict zone. That's so important. Another one is this. Is this offense damaging our relationship? Is this offense damaging our relationship? And and that's that idea of every time we go to have a, a conversation, it feels like there's a barrier there and we can't quite get through. And I know that our relationship isn't okay. When you assess your feelings, you know deep down inside that you're not okay. And so there's damage that's being done to the relationship. Maybe, it, maybe it's in the intimacy. And maybe, maybe your husband reaches out to touch you on the back and, and you know he's reaching out for intimacy and inside you are thinking, don't 
touch me because I'm not okay. Well, that, those are signs when we know we can't overlook it. There's damage that's been done in our relationship and we can't overlook it. And sometimes you know you're okay, like you've figured out ways to navigate around someone's behavior, or, you know, and you're like, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I've learned how to deal with this. I've learned how to navigate this. But, but their behavior is hurting them. This is what's often true when alcohol is involved in the picture. And someone has, uh, has a problem with alcohol, the, the family has learned to, to navigate around that, to, to, to go around those, those obstacles. But you know their behavior is hurting them. That's when we can't just overlook those things. We have to get involved. We have to move into this healthy conflict zone. So what is our response then? What's our response? If we kind of ask ourselves those questions and we go, wow, yeah. Even as we're sitting here right now, I know that's, I know that's me. I know, I know there are relationships that there's damage or they're hurting others. Well, we have to be willing, number two, to have courageous conversations. So if we can't overlook the minor offenses, then number two, we have to be willing to have courageous conversations. Remember how we started this message. It's this idea that the, the peacekeepers are actually willing to fight to keep the peace. That's why the armed guards are there. Look at this verse. Here's what, here's what Paul has to actually say about this. Philippians 2.3 says, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking out for your own interest, but each of you looking out for the interest of others. You see, we have got to be willing to risk. We've got to be willing to have hard conversations in order to grow. And I'll be honest, a lot of people look on at Matt and I and they go, wow, you guys work together. Um, you live together. You've got a couple kids. You've been married over 16 years. And I can tell you still love each other. Like, how do you do that? Like, you truly do like each other. And this is what I would say. We've had to work really hard on it. Yes. Like it doesn't come naturally. Peace doesn't come naturally. You have to be willing to risk, have those hard conversations and be willing to grow together. Listen, this is hard. This is, is it awkward? At times, yes. Is it inconvenient? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it stressful? Yes. <laughs> Does it require energy? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it right? Yes. Pursuing healthy conflict is always right. Does it make us want to throw up sometimes? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is it right? Yes, yeah. it is. So, so here's what we want to do. The last few minutes of our talk uh, today, we want to talk about a few how-tos. So we want to go uber practical here and talk about a few how-tos of healthy conflict. Here's the first one. Um, and again, these are, these are really basic, I'm telling you, but they're important. Here's the first one. Be face-to-face. -face. Listen, don't be shooting off an email, okay? That doesn't work. That doesn't ever work. And what's worse than email is a text. Okay, you can do more damage than good. And you know what's worse than a text? A veiled message on Facebook. Ouch. Yeah, that does okay. not work. For heaven's sakes, don't <laughs> do it. Listen, if it's important enough to deal with, then it's important enough to be face-to-face. -face. And talking about this conflict idea, another thing is watch what you say. Yeah. I mean, just... 
Watch what you say and how you say it. I know that in conflict situations, in the heat of the moment, we can say things we don't mean. We can over-exaggerate. We can say things like, you always make me do this, or you never do that. I always have to take care of the kids, or you never clean the house. I mean, we can say these statements that are over-exaggerate and can actually do more damage than good. So don't exaggerate. Another one is um, sarcasm. I mean, come on, like if we are in a conflict situation, sarcasm is not going to help. And let me tell you another thing, especially us women, that is not going to help. Making a shot at your husband in public, in front of his friends or yours, is not going to help, okay? So don't make these veiled comments. Don't make a jab or a shot. Um, What that means is you actually haven't done the hard work of being willing to talk about it. And so instead, you're just going to throw one in there just to see if you can get them riled up. Okay, that is not going to get us where our relationships want to go. We have to watch what we say. Uh, Look at this verse. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says this, the tongue, speaking of the words we say, the tongue has the power of life and death. Man, let me, let me talk to us for just a minute. We have the ability, men, with our words, to crush our spouse. We have to be aware of that. See, when it comes to this whole healthy conflict thing, listen, we have to watch what we say. Man, I get it. We live in a world that whenever it's concern, concerning conflict, it's, it's win-lose. That The world we live in, when it comes to conflict, there's a winner and there's a loser. But here's the thing. When, when we give into that tendency or that temptation to make healthy conflict in our marriage a win-lose, all of a sudden there must be a winner and there must be a loser. And so if we're going to win in that conflict, then that means our wife has to lose. And here's the deal, man. If we, we can win an argument and still lose our spouse, we have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of the power that is in our words. And so when it comes to this whole healthy conflict thing, it's so, so, so important that we don't turn it into a win-lose, that we continue to remember just how important our words are. Another idea is this. We have to seek peace and pursue it. So a lot of times we're thinking, oh, if they're not okay, then they'll come to me. Or if I'm not okay, I'll go to them. But actually, it's a both and. Look at what 1 Peter 3.11 has to say. It says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So if we want peace in our lives, it is a both and kind of a thing. The seeking part is this. It's if we feel something is not right, And we have to seek that out from our spouse. We have to say, hey, are we okay? That's the seeking part. And then on the other side, if we know something is wrong, we know we're not okay, then there's the pursuing part. And that looks like this. Hey, we're not okay. And so the ownership is on both sides. We can't just say, well, you know, I I think they'll just come to me. No, it's a both and. We have to seek it and we have to pursue it. Here's another thought in terms of practical how-tos, if you will, of this healthy conflict stuff. We have to understand that this is a journey, not a one-time deal. 
This is a journey. This whole healthy conflict thing, listen, this is, this is a, it's an, it truly is an art. Like this is not one of those, well, we had one good fight in January, so we should be good till July. <laughs> it's not that. It, it's, it's, this is a consistent, ongoing thing. It's not a science. And every time you think you got it figured out, all of a sudden, like the seasons of your life change. And then it's like, man, I don't know what we're doing anymore. It, it, that's, you know, it's, it's, it is the young couple uh, who, you know, we keep picking on them, but it's true. They have a baby and all of a sudden it's like, we used to have all this time and it was convenient and we could work on us. And now there's this other child in our midst and, you know, we have to manage that. We have to manage those seasons. We have to, we have to relearn this healthy conflict thing for, or maybe, you know, you were for so long, the only one who, you know, worked outside the home uh, in your family and all of a sudden your spouse goes back to work. And so now all of a sudden, you're not the only one coming home at the end of the day who's stressed out and energy tank on empty. And all of a sudden, the rhythm changes in terms of of this healthy conflict thing. We have to be committed to the life of the process. This is truly a lifelong journey of learning in marriage how to have conversation, how to communicate, how to engage in healthy conflict. And let me just say this. There will be seasons in all of our marriages where we will hit an impasse and it will feel like we're just not not connecting. We're just, we, no matter how much we try, no matter how much we dig in, that in, in here's, here's the deal. In those moments, in those seasons, it will require us to engage a, a third party. Uh, it, counseling. There have been seasons where Sarah and I have said, you know what, let's go ahead and enlist the, the power of a third party, a Christian counselor that can help us. And we, we like to describe it like this, someone who couldn't care less and couldn't care more. That's the power of Christian counseling. Listen, if you need a counselor, if you've kind of hit one of those places in your marriage, great. That's an opportunity for you to, to get help from someone who can engage that. Go to nextlevelchurch.com, our website. We have, we have a whole resource page there with, with counselors that we recommend who would love to sit down and, and engage that process with you. Listen, we have to be committed to the life of the journey of this idea of healthy conflict, that it's not just a one and done kind of thing. It really is a lifelong pursuit. And then the last thing that we would want to share with you this weekend is this. Remember what you're fighting for. You're fighting for unity and peace. Remember what you're fighting for. We're fighting for unity and peace in our own homes, but we're also fighting for it in our own hearts so that we can live at peace with one another. You see, the enemy would love to stop this from happening. He would love to cause disunity and, and, and not have peace in our homes, but we have to remember what we're fighting for. I mean, conflict is actually an opportunity to bring glory to God when it's done well. And so we have to remember that that is what we're fighting for. It's not about being right. It is not about being right. It's about restoring our relationships. And ultimately, if we can do that in this world, in in all of our imperfections, I'm imperfect, he's imperfect, our family's imperfect, and that's okay. It's in our imperfection that God can do an amazing work in our hearts and in our homes and that it is worth fighting for. And if you're here this weekend and you're thinking, but you don't know my circumstance, you don't know, I understand, I don't know, but I do know 
that God can enter your heart and your home and your place and he can do what only he can do in restoring relationships. Remember, it is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Come on, Next Level Church. What if? What if we could be the kind of church who gets this thing right? What if we could be the kind of church that says, we're going to put so much value on our families. We're going to put so much value on them, and our marriages and our relationships, that we're going to be willing to do the hard work of fighting. Sarah and I want to pray with every single one of us who are part of all of our services this weekend. If you're here and you're sitting near your spouse, would you just reach over and take their hand? We want to pray for our families. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the God who created the family unit. And Lord, when we look upon our world today, God, there's no other family we'd rather be a part of than the one you've placed us in. And so, Father, I thank you that in the midst of our time together today, across all of our services this weekend, you're doing an amazing work. And Jesus, I pray for every married couple. I pray for every family that you would give us the courage to dig in to engage healthy conflict. God, give us the strength we need to have courageous conversations, to see that our families are worth fighting for. God, I pray that you would give us a supernatural courage to engage like never before. And Jesus, I just lift up every single person who might be struggling with this idea of minor offenses. And maybe the enemy has just come in and let a lot of minor things become major. God, I pray that in our homes and in our own hearts, God, that you would do a work of restoration this weekend. God, that your grace and your mercy and your love would start to cover our relationships like never before. God, I pray that that we would choose today to fully forgive. Yes. God, to fully forgive and to move forward in the grace that you gave us. God, that we would give it to our spouse. God, thank you. When it comes to our family, we don't have to be picture perfect. In fact, God, thank you that it's not our perfection that causes an outside unbelieving world to look on and wonder, but it's your grace in the midst of our imperfections. God, it's your grace in the midst of our families that cause an outside unbelieving world to look on and say, I want what they've got. Father, thank you. Thank you for coming down and touching so many lives, marriages, and families today. In Jesus' name, and everyone in all of our services who agreed, said, Amen.